He had hardly uttered these hasty words when the skirts and sleeves of his coat folded themselves together into wings. The clothes became feathers, and the galoshes claws. He observed it perfectly, and laughed in his heart. Now, then, there is no doubt that I am dreaming, but I never before was aware of such mad freaks as these. And up he flew into the green roof and sang. But in the song there was no poetry, for the spirit of the poet was gone. The shoes, as is the case with anybody who does what he has to do properly, could only attend to one thing at a time. He wanted to be a poet, and he was one. He now wished to be a merry chirping bird. But when he was metamorphosed into one, the former peculiarities ceased immediately. It is really pleasant enough, said he. The whole day long I sit in the office amid the driest law papers, and at night I fly in my dream as a lark in the gardens of Fredericksburg. One might really write a very pretty comedy upon it. He now fluttered down into the grass, turned his head gracefully on every side, and with his bill pecked the pliant blades of grass, which, in comparison to his present size, seemed as majestic as the palm branches of northern Africa. Unfortunately, the pleasure lasted but a moment. Presently a black night overshadowed our enthusiast, who had so entirely missed his part of copying clerk at a police office. Some vast object seemed to be thrown over him. It was a large oilskin cap, which a sailor boy of the quay had thrown over the struggling bird. A coarse hand sought its way carefully in under the broad rim, and seized the clerk over the back and wings. In the first moment of fear he called, indeed, as loud as he could, "'You impudent little blackguard! I am a copying clerk at the police office, and you know you cannot insult any belonging to the constabulary force without a chastisement. Besides, you good-for-nothing rascal, it is strictly forbidden to catch birds in the royal gardens of Fredericksburg, but your blue uniform betrays where you come from.' This fine tirade sounded, however, to the ungodly sailor boy like a mere pip-pee-pee. He gave the noisy bird a knock on its beak and walked on. He was soon met by two schoolboys of the upper class, that is to say, as individuals, for with regard to learning, they were in the lowest class in the school, and they bought the stupid bird. So the copying clerk came to Copenhagen as guest, or rather as prisoner in a family living in Gother Street. "'Tis well that I am dreaming,' said the clerk, or I really should get angry. First I was a poet, now sold for a few pences a lark. No doubt it was that accursed poetical nature which has metamorphosed me into such a poor, harmless little creature." It is really pitiable, particularly when one gets into the hands of a little blackguard, perfect in all sorts of cruelty to animals. All I should like to know is how the story will end. The two schoolboys, the proprietors now of the transformed clerk, carried him into an elegant room. A stout, stately dame received him with a smile, but she expressed much dissatisfaction that a common field bird, as she called the lark, should appear in such high society. For today, however, she would allow it, and they must shut him in the empty cage that was standing in the window. "'Perhaps he will amuse my good Polly,' added the lady, looking with a benignant smile at the large green parrot that swung himself backwards and forwards most comfortably in his ring, inside a magnificent brass-wired cage. "'Today is Polly's birthday,' said she, with stupid simplicity, "'and the little brown-field bird must wish him joy.' 